Great to see everyone here today. If you, if you want to come move forward, you can, because I feel a bit by myself alone here. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. Feel the space a bit. That's much better. Thank you. Feel just feel a bit more welcome, a bit more homely with some more people there. That's great. Uh, so today I'm continuing our series called One, uh, going through the book of Ephesians. And uh, today's talk is titled One Mission. So as the guy said earlier, what does it mean for us to all be a people who, who share good news? What does that look like for us as a church? And uh, I've got uh, one younger brother who, uh, whose name is David. He doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm going to rinse him for a bit. And just none of you have ever seen him tell him I've told you this because he'll be a bit offended. But he has this habit whenever we go on holiday anywhere as a family, whenever he does a travel, uh, a journey by himself, he always has this kind of like bad news filter which sets in. So the, the other week he went on a holiday to uh, Cornwall with my family. I wasn't there. And uh, I, he got back and I called him up and I said, how was the holiday, David? Did you have a good time? He was like, yeah, really good. Um, but on the way there, we got uh, delayed in, in, on the motorway, so we had to wait another hour to get there. I was like, oh, okay, but did you have a good time? He was like, yeah, but we got delayed in the traffic, and I was like, that's good, but what did you do on the holiday? And it was like this, this one thing that kept occupying his mind, that, but we got delayed. He did an internship uh, last summer. He studied film at uni. He worked for the um, British Film Institute at the South Bank of London, like the dream internship for a film student. And again, I called him up after his first day. How did it go? He was like, it was really good. But the tube was so busy. There were so many people, and it was just really stuffy and delayed. Again, a few months ago, he went on holiday to France. On the way back, the flight was delayed by 25 minutes. It was so bad. And every single time he does any kind of like new adventure, new story, new trip, whatever it is, there's always just kind of like this bad news filter that sort of drips into his stories. And it's often really hard to hear about what he's actually done. Because by the first five minutes of talking to him, you're fed up. You don't want to listen anymore because he's giving you a lot of bad news for five minutes when he's supposed to have made you happy. So then I walk away and I ignore him and we continue our slightly dysfunctional brother relationship. <laughs> and I kind of, I see this quite often in life that people kind of have this bad news filter to what we do. We almost have these like excuses for why we don't do things, these excuses for, for why things are difficult for us. And um, quite often it will be people will tell you that they're, they're really busy and there'll be this kind of competition between two people about how busy they can be and how hard their life stage is. Students will tell me how hard their life stage is. Parents will tell me how hard their life stage is. Retired people will tell me how hard their life stage is. And I don't really know if maybe life is just really hard and it's really bad and it's just tough. But we just have this filter sometimes which creeps in and we get busy and we get, hard, get full of bad news and it's tough for us. And I've had the privilege the last two, two months of being newly married so when you're newly married, everyone wants to hear about how your wedding was, how your honeymoon was, how married life is. So I've not, I've got, not got any excuses for sharing bad news over the last two months. I have to be positive, because if I'm not positive about marriage and my wedding and all the fun stuff that comes with that, then I've just totally missed the mark, haven't I? I can't put a bad news filter on that. But it's so hard for people to, to kind of escape the sort of the slight negative edges to the things that happen to us. And uh, today we want to look at what does it mean for us as a church to, to focus on the good news. And as Hannah and, and Mike kind of alluded to earlier, uh, the good news isn't just something, isn't just the good news stories we have in our week of positive things that have happened, of the, the football wins and all that sort of stuff. That is brilliant. But as Christians, what makes us distinct is that we believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, otherwise known as the gospel. And we're going to delve into a bit of that today in further detail through the book of Ephesians and kind of unpack what that means for us as a church. So we're going to look at Ephesians 3. And I read of Paul's encouragement to the, to the people in Ephesus uh, to speak and, and, and preach of the um, now-revealed mystery of God, as Paul calls it in the passage. And the mystery that Paul talks of is the reality that all people have access to the forgiveness of God. 
and are saved by the grace of God through their faith in him, not through their own striving or hard work or effort. But the mystery that Paul speaks of, this, this concept of us being saved, is more than just that. It's something which should transform our lives. It's something which should transform the world around us. The good news uh, is the best news we can ever hear, is the best news we can ever share. And I think we as a church and we as a people really need to understand just how good it, what it is that we have to share with people, what it is that we have to share with the world around us. Uh, in the passage which we're going to read out in a minute, there's a line where Paul talks of uh, the boundless riches of Christ. And uh, when he talks of the boundless riches of Christ to define this good news, to define this good news that we have, uh, this word boundless can also be translated uh, as unfading, unquestionable, without fault, inexhaustible, unsearchable, all the riches of Christ. So the good news that we're talking of isn't just this, that's, that's good, thumbs up, happy days, let's crack on. It is something which is unfading, unquestionable, without fault, inexhaustible, unsearchable, absolute riches. There's a quote from uh, John Piper, which will be on the screen behind you, uh, behind me. And it says, what makes the gospel good news is that it connects a person with these boundless riches of Christ. Forgiveness of sins and justification are good news because they remove obstacles to the only lasting, all-satisfying source of joy, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not merely the means of our rescue from damnation. He is the goal of our salvation. If he is not satisfying to be with, there is no salvation. He is not merely the rope that pulls us from the threatening waves. He is the solid beach under our feet and the air in our lungs and the beat of our heart and the warm sun on our skin and the song in our ears and the arms of our beloved. And that is a bit, bit of a, a mushy, mushy message from John Piper there, but a very powerful message about just how good this stuff is that we're talking about. Just the reason that we're here as a group of people, the reason that we come here to G2 to discover and follow Jesus Christ is because Jesus Christ is the, the solid beach under our feet, the rope that pulls us from the threatening waves, the air in our lungs, the beat of our heart, the warm sun on our skin, the song on our ears, and the arms of our beloved. And just to say, if you're here today and maybe someone's invited you, someone's brought you along, it might be your first time here. If someone's invited you to G2, that's because they have some good news to share with you. And they believe in the stuff that we're talking about today. They believe in the, the, the lyrics of the songs that we sung earlier. And it genuinely has changed their life. It's genuinely transformed how they view their world. So if you're here and it doesn't quite make sense and you think, well, actually, is this good news? What does it mean for me? Have a chat with the person that brought you. Have a chat with them about how it's changed their life, how good Jesus has been to them, what it looks like for them to know these boundless riches in their life. Crack him. So Ephesians 3 is a passage that we're in today. And Ephesians is a really interesting book. Paul is the author of Ephesians, and he's this guy who's written a ton of books throughout the New Testament. They're called the Epistles of Paul. And at most of Paul's letters in the New Testament are written specifically uh, to individual churches in different towns to kind of address some issues that might have come up in their church or help them out with, um, with, with mission and some of the things that they're cracking on with as a church. But Ephesians is slightly different in that it's written to kind of the area of Ephesus, not just one individual church. So we can kind of take it as a more generalized instructions uh, for church and for Christian living. So very easy to apply for us today as G2. Ephesus, the city, uh, the region that Paul was writing to, was a thriving port and a trade hub on what is now the Turkish coast. It was very multicultural, loads of different religions and beliefs, a total melting pot of cultures, worldviews and histories. And this letter that he writes speaks directly to, to this culture and to the Gentiles, so that's people that weren't Jewish, and speaks of God's plan for them that is revealed, this gospel that we know. So I'm going to read out Ephesians 3, so it'll be on the screen behind me. And if you've got a Bible, feel free to, to open up and join with me there. 
So Ephesians 3, God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. And, and just interesting, when he says revelation here, uh, Paul's revelation was that Jesus appeared to him in a flash of blinding light on the Damascus road and then spoke to him in three or four trances and dreams. So that's a bit of a, re- that's revelation squared, basically, there. So when you read that, just there's revelation and then some. I always find that fun. As I've already written briefly, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless, unfading, inexhaustible, without fault, unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So here Paul, as he says, the prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles, writes a letter, writes a part of this letter, unpacking this mystery, unpacking this good news, this gospel, what it actually, what it actually is, and then shares about this, this, this plan of God to, to make this known through the church. And Paul writes that he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of these Gentiles. And Paul wasn't just a prisoner in the sense that he was under house arrest at this time, but he saw his life as as being a prisoner to Christ. He saw his life as being found in Christ, sold out for Christ, given to Jesus in order to preach the good news. He saw it as something that he could not get out of. It was a life sentence that he'd signed up for to preach the gospel to them, to let these Gentiles know about these good news, about how God wanted to transform their lives. And uh, Paul, Paul then talks about the mystery that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together of Israel. And uh, this, was, this would have been brand new news to the, to the Ephesians. This would have been totally different to what they'd grown up with. So they would have always assumed that the Jewish people had their own beliefs about how the world would be saved, about how the, how the Jewish people would have been saved through all the promises to Abraham and Moses. Uh, but Paul writing here is saying that, no, 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 this is for everyone. This good news is for all people. This is inclusive. This is welcoming. This isn't just for the, for the Jews. This is for all of you. And Ephesus was, a, like I said, a city full of multicultural uh, tribes and beliefs and worldviews and practices. Uh, Ephesus was famous for loads of different temples, to their temples to all these different Roman gods. And they had loads of different beliefs around the afterlife and around uh, how, how the world would look uh, and how the world should look. And they often found it difficult to kind of distinguish between what should be the true deity, what was the true divine purpose for their world. And Paul here is kind of saying, without any apology, that uh, you're invited into this, this promise that, the, that God had for the Jews. This is for all of us. This is for you Gentiles as well as for those Jews. He speaks of those boundless riches, those in, inexhaustible, unsearchable riches, and says that this is for you. He says that he's become a servant of the gospel uh, through the grace of God, through the power of God, in order to share with these people. Uh, the opportunity to encounter Jesus in this way, to know him in this power. And uh, 
later on he says about, uh, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities uh, in the heavenly realms. And uh, this is just important just to pick up on with, uh, in the heavenly realms here, this kind of has a couple of meanings. So first of all, uh, Paul is saying that through the church, through our worship of God, through our service of God, through our glorifying of God, uh, the angels better understand how to glorify God. So in, in Psalm 48, we read that the angel's job is to glorify God. Their job is to praise God. That's why they exist, to help us praise God. And it's through our witness and our testimony and our service as a church that the angels can do their job better. So we've got quite a big responsibility in how we f- fulfill the mission of God because we're kind of giving the angels a crash course on how to do it at the same time. The church's witness uh, to their rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms is also a witness uh, to, to Satan and to the, to, to the plans of the devil. And it's kind of showing him that, that God's eternal purpose uh, in the church, made known through us, is stronger than any plan of the devil. It's stronger than any scheme that he has. And that the church is still going. The church is still cracking on. And the devil kind of needs to be afraid because there's a big plan that God has to see the world changed through his church, to see this mystery made known through us. Also, in Ephesus, as I mentioned, there was this loads of different kind of mystical beliefs that came along with the afterlife and different worship of different gods. Uh, in Acts 19, when Paul first preached the, the gospel in Ephesus, uh, the writer of Acts, Luke, talks about uh, people that practice magic arts, burning their books, turning away from their old practices, and now believing in what Jesus, uh, what Jesus preached, the gospel that he proclaimed. So Ephesus was a city that was totally transformed by the good news, uh, both in terms of people's individual lives being changed, but in the whole practice of the city, people were burning their books. They were turning away from their old beliefs of what it looked like to, to worship, their old beliefs of what it looked like to engage with the world. And this is what the good news of Jesus does. It changes people and it changes the world around us. It stops people in their tracks. It challenges their worldview and their understanding of life in a really deep and real way. If Ephesus was changed by the good news, their worldviews were changed, the understanding of worship, these concerns with the mystical were debunked and the glory of God was shown. This mystery was revealed to them that these Gentiles, these non-Jews, were invited into the, into the wonderful message that, that Jesus had for them. And Ephesus was this hub for trade. So many people would come to Ephesus, they would have heard this good news, they would have seen Paul preaching, and they would have then gone off and, and, and shared this with their other trading partners that they knew across the Mediterranean and with their family. And the gospel really spread like wildfire through the city of Ephesus and beyond because of its significance as this kind of trade hub. So Paul's mission uh, to, these, to these Gentiles to share the gospel with them wasn't just for them, it was for the world around them. It was to transform the whole region, the whole world. And it is the same with us today. It's kind of like a domino effect in how we share good news with people. And the one mission that we have as a church to share the good news has a permanent, indelible impact upon our world. A few months ago, I came across a church planter from Winnipeg, Canada, uh, called Jamie Arpin Ricci, which is a great name. And uh, he wrote a book on what would it look like for, for people to live a life imitating the, um, the great St. Patrick in how they did radical mission. And he wondered what the effect of us living Christian life beyond the ordinary would be upon our world. And again, there's a quote from from him on the screen, which I'm going to read. So it says, We are called to be Christ-embodying communities of active love in the midst of the world. All of creation is caught up in the restorative work. The mission of God's people is not simply directed at saving people's souls from a bad life after death into a good life after death, but it addresses and hopefully touches the injustice and violence around us. Poverty, racism, sexism, economic exploitation war, environmental destruction, and so on, where justice, where salvation, justice, 
and peace can merge. Uh, This good news that Paul preached to Ephesus, this good news that we're called to carry out today, isn't just to to save people from some kind of death, isn't just to save people for for the afterlife. It is an invitation to transform our world and to address the issues of our world and to engage in what's happening around us. Not to be people that shy away from debates, not to be people that shy away from addressing things, but to say that uh, that we know the eternal perspective, we know the the heavenly purpose that, that God has for this world, and to speak into these issues that that Jamie Arpinrici speaks about there, and to challenge them and to show what God has in store for them. I found it really interesting uh, working as student worker here. So I've been student, coming into my third year as student leader here at G2, which I do two days a week. And in the past few years, we've seen a number of students um, give their lives to Jesus, get saved, become a Christian, whatever language you want to use. And I found it really, really interesting that uh, the people that, that when they encounter Jesus, when they encounter this good news, um, it transforms how they engage with their world. It transforms their view on activism. It their, transforms their worldview on all these stuff that Jamie's speaking about here. Um, we've seen students uh, helping start societies against trafficking, against human trafficking. We've seen people um, wanting to plant churches to reach surfers. That was sort of someone told me the other month, which I thought, great, I didn't know surfers were a particularly needy a group, but sure, I think that's basically an excuse to go live in Hawaii or something, but fair enough. But we had students who um, have met Jesus in, in really interesting ways, really incredible ways. Um, I remember talking to one guy who was on, a, uh, on an overground train in London, and he um, visibly kind of felt he saw Jesus sat across from him and kind of heard him speaking to him. And this guy, he'd been to church a few times, come on to G2, wasn't really sure it was for him, but someone had brought him along. And he had a, a, a tangible encounter with Jesus, with the good news personified. And this transformed his life. Uh, he got um, baptized at his uh, church back home in, in, in Easter and is now kind of part of our G2 community, which is really, really exciting. And this really uh, just powerful reminder of how God reaches out to people and transforms their lives. Even when we don't do much as a church, he arrests them and stops them in their tracks and catches their att- attention on a tube train of all places. In the past few months, we've had students giving their lives to Jesus in the middle of busy coffee shops. People have, have been so captivated by the news that they've heard by just reading the Bible with another student. That they've decided there and then on the spot to, to pray a prayer uh, of salvation to Jesus, to, ter- to turn their life over to him, to accept him as their Lord and their Savior. Uh, we've heard students that have been uh, partying in the middle of the nightclubs of York, dancing the night away, and uh, felt an urge to go and pray. Uh, there they are, looking good with their VKs. Um, that's, that is a bit what it looks like, so let's pray for nightclubs. They are, they are sad places. Um, but students that have left nightclubs, have left these places, uh, because they've heard about a house of prayer. They've heard about a 24-7 prayer week that, that one of their housemates was part of their church, and they've wanted to go and pray there. This is becoming the normal for us as a church. This is the normal for us uh, at, at the 345, the normal for us at the 630. The normal for us as G2 is that we should expect this to happen because we should expect that the good news changes people. We should expect that the good news transforms people's lives. We should expect that it will challenge people's worldview. It will challenge people's understanding of the world in a real way. And for us as G2, uh, in, in carrying out this mission, we have to be motivated by love. We have to be driven by a love for other people and not to be kind of... Um, Called, called to share good news with people because we want to score some points, we want to invite the most people to church or, or get the highest tally of converts, but instead we should have the love of God overflowing within us so that it stirs us to share good news with people. Later in the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul's prayer to the church there is that 
would the Lord increase your love until it overflows towards one another and for all people. Notice here that first our love must overflow to one another in the church before it overflows outside. So we need to be good at celebrating stories. We need to be good at telling one another what's happening in our different age groups. I need to be better at telling everyone what's going on in students and the exciting stuff that's happening there. Uh, the three foot five and 6.30, as we change locations in the next few weeks, as this service moves to Burnham in October and the 6.30 stays here, we need to be good as a church about encouraging one another with the good things that are happening, encouraging one another with the people that are coming to know Jesus, with the people that are coming to join our family. Uh, because we want this love of God to stir us to action, to stir us to be a people that share good news beyond the four walls of this building and the four walls of the Burnham home, Burnham Hall. It's not a jealousy, it's not a thing to compare, but it's something which should motivate us in how we seek to carry out this one mission to our, to our city and beyond. And again, with this motivation of love, if you're here today, if you've been invited along today, your friends bought you because, because they love you. And because they want to share with you how good this news is. They're not here to pressure you to respond instantly. Or they're not here to judge you or to pick out something in the way you live. But they want you to, to, to receive an invitation into their life of what God has been doing and is doing in them. Of how this good news has changed them. For the love of God has marked them. And they've made a permanent impact upon their life. So what we're going to do uh, now as we think about this mission. As we think about this calling that we have as a church is... Um, I want to challenge us to, to, to think and pray through uh, the, the situations, the people, the places where we're being called to be good news. Where there may be one or two people, there may be someone that you've not thought of, you may be really aware of who it is. Who is it that you need to be uh, sharing good news with? Who is it that you need to be some, living out some of these uh, messages of the gospel that we've heard about today that, that, that addresses issues, that, that tackles injustice? Uh, that speaks a better word than the, than the narrative of the world, that speaks hope, that speaks joy, that speaks life, that speaks peace. So just uh, where you're sat, where you are, if you just want to spend just one or two minutes, maybe just um, silently, you might want to close your eyes, you might want to open your hands as a sign to God that, that you want to receive from him. But I'm just going to invite God to speak to you, just to prompt in you some, some places where, where he wants you to be a good news pe- person. It might be with an individual in your family, It might be in your workplace, wherever it is, whatever activity it is, just ask God to speak to you. Just ask him to bring some some names to mind, some faces to mind, some places to mind.